Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Again, welcome everyone. Well, tonight I'm going to cover part two of Saul, um, Saul's life um, prior to his conversion, and soon to be called Paul. And again, we um, last time we covered Saul's early life and training. He was born in Tarsus of Sicilia. We covered his ancestry and youth. You know, he was born of Jewish descent, a Hebrew or Israelite of the seed of Abraham. He was born a Roman citizen and also born the son of a Pharisee and became a strict Pharisee. Also, not knowing his date of birth, some place it around the time of Jesus' birth. We also covered his education. You know, he was taught in Jerusalem by Gamaliel, a Pharisee and respected teacher of the law. And Saul excelled above his contemporaries in Judaism. We also learned about his character prior to his conversion. No matter how off or wrong he was, we learned of his zeal for his beliefs and his hatred towards Christians. And because of his hatred towards Christians, the kind of hatred he had, and what he did to them, we were able to compare him to today's modern-day terrorists. Today, we are going to begin part two of the life of Saul and talk about his conversion on the road to Damascus. So on the road to Damascus, the mission of Saul. What was Saul's mission? His reason for going to Damascus. This is found in Acts 9, one, verses 1 and 2. Again, in the Acts 9, verses 1 and 2. Starting verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of that way whether men or women he might bring them bound to Jerusalem and in Acts also 22 verses 4 through 5 or 4 and 5 
Again, that's Acts 22, 4 through 5. This is where Paul is actually given a testimony of his life. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. And as also the high priest bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to, to Jerusalem to be punished. So we can see by these two references, Saul receives letters of permission from the high priest to bring Christians back from Damascus to Jerusalem. And at times, killing them. Saul was not a very nice guy at first. Sorry to say, but Saul actually thought this was proper to do at the time. And this is found in Acts 26, 9 through 11. Again, that's Acts 26, verses 9 through 11. Starting with verse 9. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I persecuted them, even to foreign cities. Saul felt he was, he was right. He had zeal for things that were actually off, but he believed what he was doing was right in his own eyes. So this made me wonder, how many of us Christians, one time or another, are convinced that something was from God, but it wasn't really? For instance, something you may have bought, like a car. I use that as an example a lot. You wanted it so badly you ended up buying it. You didn't really have the money and you really, you already had a car that ran fine. So you didn't really need it. It was a want. But you convinced yourself it was from God. Now, here's a big one. I've had pastors tell me stories about men and women who came to them for counsel. Tell them that they had met another man or woman and how wonderful they were. Now, I want you to be clear of something right away. No names. When these stories were told, no names were used. Just so nobody comes to me and say, oh, that was terrible. No names were used. But now get this, even though adultery is listed as one of the Ten Commandments of something not to do, and listed many times in Scripture as a sin, which God hates, they were convinced that that other person 
was from God. And now please understand this. Unless we refer to the word of God and listen to the Holy Spirit's direction, we can easily convince ourselves of anything we want. That is very dangerous. A simple rule of thumb is this. If it's contrary to God's word, it's not from God. Very simple. But yet, I hear many people many times have convinced themselves something was from God, and when you tell, they tell the story, you just kind of shake your head. So now let's get back to Paul, or Saul, soon to be named Paul. Now we're going to talk about the appearance of Jesus. Now he was startled by a bright light shining from heaven, Paul, or Saul. And then it occurred around noon, and this could be found in Acts 22, 6. So that's Acts 22, verse 6. So you can get a kind of like an, an idea of when it was occurred and kind of get a picture in your head. Starting with verse 6. Now it happened. As I journeyed and came near Damascus, this is Saul speaking, at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And we can also read, see this in Acts 9, verse 3. That's Acts 9, verse 3. I'll be throwing a lot of scriptures out. Starting with verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Now I want to read this, this scripture, Acts 26, 12 through 15. That's Acts 26, 12 through 15. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus, with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me, and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So here we have Paul and others who went with him on their way to Damascus to persecute Christians. I'm guessing probably daydreaming, like men talking about what they're about to do, getting themselves all riled up. But then, all of a sudden, a bright, a light brighter than the sun appears. Let's think about that. It wasn't just a light. You try to look in these spotlights, they're really, really bright, and they get very hot. But I don't know about you, but I find it very hard to look directly into light. My eyes are really sensitive. 
I have a really hard time doing that. But now you have a light even brighter than the sun. Did you ever try looking at the sun? But you have a light that's brighter than the sun. And I'm trying to imagine this myself. I try to put myself in that place. And I know, I don't know about yours, but my eyelids are not that thick. So think about a bright light that bright. It wouldn't have been, you know, you don't have enough eyelid that would have blocked out all that sun or a light that's brighter than the sun. So I would imagine that you'd have to curve your face and get down on your knees and then realizing who finally it was. Again, Saul not only hears a voice, the voice addresses him by name. That would get my attention. And what does the voice say? Saul, again, by his name, why are you persecuting me? Now, from what I have read about Saul, he wasn't mocking. He never mocked Jesus directly. So why did Jesus say this? Now understand, the second we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior personally, we became born again and part of Jesus' family. We are now considered one of God's children before his creation, but now his children. And like we as parents, I know me, with my kids, if someone messes with my kids, they're messing with me. It's the same with our Father in heaven. When or if someone messes with one of his children, it's like messing with him. I love the fact I have the Lord's protection. No matter what you go through, you have his protection. Also, Jesus states, it's hard to kick against the goads. Goads were typically, typically made uh, from slender pieces of timber. It was blunt on one end and on the other pointed on the other side. It was used by farmers to push the stubborn ox in motion. I kind of got a picture of myself there with horns. Sometimes God needs to push me where I need to go. You know, getting us getting ahead of the Lord, for instance, or thinking, I know better, and veering off in my own direction. And I thank God so much for loving me as much as he does and wanting the best for me. And I personally have the fear of settling for less than what he wants for me. And I want him to put me right back in play again. And I hope you do too, as his children. Next, we have the submission of Saul. 
At this point, Saul is still on his knees, unsteady and amazed of what he is witnessing. Turn with me to Acts 9, verse 6. Again, that's Acts 9, verse 6. Starting with verse, well, verse 6. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now by reading this verse, we see that Saul at this point submits to the Lord. He's like, Lord, okay, whatever you say. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. And now we have Jesus' commission, his orders to Saul. He tells Saul to go to Damascus, and there he will receive his instructions. The next, Jesus gives him an idea of what to expect. And that's found in Acts 26, verses 16 through 18. That's Acts 26, verses 16 through 18. Verse 16. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. To make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Now get this, Saul is not only being told he will not only be a witness of the things he has already seen, but he can look forward to also things that God will reveal to him in the future. Now think about that for a second. Put yourself in Saul's place. He's going to be used to open their eyes. Now notice this. Jesus doesn't say to try to open their eyes. Jesus says to open their eyes. It's a big difference. And then he tells them to turn them from darkness to light. And then also 
to turn the people from the power of Satan to God. I want to make a point here. According to God's word, there are no other choices in life. We are either serving God or the things of this world. There is no in-between. Again, money, a car, baseball, football, in itself is not a sin and a bad thing. But when you start making it an idol and you put it above God, the things of God, it's wrong. God refers that as lowercase God. He becomes your God. And then it becomes an idol. I don't fall short of it. I have to keep myself in check a lot because there's things I like to do, but I have to do it with a balance. Again, in verse 15, it says, do not love the world, or in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Again, that's 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Now next, Saul proceeds to obey his new Lord. Now this is found in Acts 9, verse 8. Again, that's Acts 9, verse 8. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him, Saul, by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. So the next scene is in the city of Damascus. There, Saul has a three-day wait. And that's found in Acts 9 9. Again, that's found in Acts 9 9. Verse 9. And he was there. He was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Then God visits a man named Ananias in a vision. Now that is found in Acts 9. 10 through 11, or 10 and 11. Again, that's Acts 9, 10 and 11. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord. And notice he noticed him. He recognized his name right away. He answered. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. God instructs Ananias 
to go to Saul and heal his eyes next. And that's found in Acts 22. Again, that there is, this is where a disciple who lived in Damascus, Ananias, well respected among the Jews, is told to go to the house of Judas, where Saul was praying and had seen a vision of Ananias, restoring his sight. God was trying to make a point. Now Ananias is reluctant at first, but is reassured by the Lord. If you remember the story, Ananias, when the Lord has given him these instructions, he's like trying to talk, tell, tell the Lord, do you realize who this Saul is and what he's done to your children? He has, he's trying to remind God of who, who he is, Saul. Well, Saul, God is just the way he is, loving. He just says to him, I know, do it anyway. Just do it. I know, but I need you to do this for me. So Ananias visits Saul, laying hands on Saul and restoring his eyes. And Ananias relates how he was sent to him. So now he describes to Saul the whole thing. And that's found in Acts 9, verse 17. Again, that's Acts 9, verse 17. 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying hands on him, he, laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. So at this point, Paul's sight is restored. And that's found in Acts 9, 18. Again, that's Acts 9, verse 18. Immediately, there fell from his eyes, Saul's eyes, something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. Now, next, Ananias shares, Saul's, shares to Saul's mission. What is his mission? And that's in Acts 22, verse 14 and 15. Again, that's where Ananias shares Saul's mission. Starting with verse 14. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth for you will be his witness to all men for what you have seen and heard. Ananias warns Saul to be baptized and Paul responds. Acts 22.16 says, And now, why are you waiting? And rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 
And then after that, found in Acts 9.19, Saul resumes eating again. Again, that's in Acts 9.19. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now, the next time I teach on this, we will see how Saul soon referred, is referred to as Paul and how he is used in a dramatic way for the Lord. Now, in closing, we saw how God gets the attention of Saul in Saul's response of yes. So let me ask you this. Is God trying to get your attention in some area of your life? Is he trying to get your attention? But you're either not listening, you're too busy doing those life things, or you hear him, but you're ignoring his calling. I don't know about you, but for myself and my wife Rose, one thing we are very, very passionate about is not being in the will of God. Just to think that when you're not obedient and you go off track, as believers, as Christians, as his children, we miss out of what God wants for us, and he wants the best for each and every one of us. When you hear that, when I hear that, it's like you you have a choice. You know, you have a choice of filet mignon or your favorite meal, but you settle for cat food or dog food. It doesn't make sense to me. I've done it. But it really does not make sense when you hear it. But that's what we're doing. We're settling for less than what God wants for each and every one of us. But knowing he loves us and has our best interests in mind, why wouldn't we obey him? For me, it's a no-brainer, but it's our sinful nature. We're constantly being pulled in another direction. On this side of eternity, we're going to be pulled all the time. But the more and more you get into his word and on your knees and in fellowship, and in a Bible-believing church, learning his word, the stronger you'll get. And what you hang the most with, that is what you will become. I want to become more like Jesus. It's a constant battle, but it's worth it. I want to hear when I go to be in heaven one day, well done, good and faithful servant. That is my goal. And I've messed up, but I still press on for that prize. But now, maybe you're the person he's calling out to, but you don't recognize his voice because you never received him personally as your Lord and Savior. For anyone here, 
for anyone listening on the CD or on the internet. Don't count on tomorrow. For tomorrow is not guaranteed. Short time after I started coming to this new location of this church, I knew someone that was here. Really nice guy, he served. He was always by the door with that smile. And like every Sunday, he did his thing. He served. He left and got in a car accident that was killed. It happened that fast. And God loves you enough to try to get you to realize how important it is that you know how fast life goes. There is no guarantee of tomorrow. And as a Christian, I don't want to have the regrets in the future of what I could have done in the past. And just know this, that if you have not yet received the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that anytime, any place. You can pull one of us aside, one of us leaders. We'd be happy to pray with you. It's only a prayer away. And it's free. He's already paid a penalty. He paid the debt that we owed, that you owed. And you're free and clear. So, Don't wait, because he could be trying to get your attention. And you'll be missing out if you don't answer his calling for your life. And again, I know I can speak for all of us, Pastor Joe and Pastor Vinny, Pastor Paul, myself, Bill, uh, Vinny, all of us. We are so blessed when we get to see that we get to see people come to the Lord and a transformation in people's lives is such a blessing to us. To see that change from, from like Saul and then one day Paul. I just don't want any of you to miss out on it. So let's trust and obey. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. Let the time